Hello and welcome to the Emotion at Work podcast where we take a deep dive into the human condition. Now, as you regular listeners will know, we've not had a stories episode for a while. Um, and stories episodes are ones whereby um, we want to, to find out from people what, what's it been like, what's their experience been like and, and how has it been. And the last one we did actually was with me. So it was episode 41, which was me talking about my experience with chronic pain following my few rounds of, um, of surgery and stuff. But my guest today is someone that I am full of admiration for. And, and the overall kind of frame for, for this podcast then is about coping with uncontrollable change. Because what they've managed to achieve in the last kind of six to nine months, just to achieve it in, in its own right would have been impressive. But to do it in the midst of everything that's been happening um, with coronavirus and COVID-19 and everything that's been happening in the world just blows my mind. So without further ado, let's get our guest on the air. Welcome to the podcast, Dan Hone. Hi, Dan. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Well, about as well as we can be. <laughs> as well as you no, can be. Doing, yeah, doing, doing okay. Doing okay, and and so uh, for for the audience's benefit, it's kind of we're as we're recording this, we're in the middle of the the second kind of lockdown in England. Um, uh, so that's kind of so when we're saying as well as we can be, then uh, one of the that's one of the things that we want to talk about um, today in terms of the uncontrollable change side of things. Now, as per normal, then what I want to do is to open up with our unexpected yet innocuous question. So, and my question for you today then is. What has been a good rainy day for you? Oh, good question. <laughs> um, a good rainy day would, for, for me, it's got to be um, just time with my girls and family. So a rainy day, essentially, um, I, I tell you what, there'll be, there'll be two aspects to it. Because of the business okay, I'm right. running now, uh, a rainy day is a, a day where it brings joy because of owning an indoor football center so from that sense <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm gonna get night get plenty of bookings and the phone's gonna be ringing um but on another sense it's that comfort of putting on a film sitting down on the sofa and just having that um put my laptop away put my phone away and just having that time with the girls and just being present with them um as as we go throughout this discussion um, that's one thing that's really prevalent to me um, and I think that just yeah a real good rainy day is the time spent wrapped up fire on film on probably a Bailey's on ice and then uh, just time with the girls. So I, I would never have put you down as a Bailey's person in all the conversations really? that we've had over time. No, I wouldn't know. <laughs> so if, we, if, if you'd have uh, said, well, what, what would be in Dan's hand I would not have gone for Bailey's. Yeah so I'm, I'm I love a red wine um i'm quite into my gins but yeah that my go-to at the minute that it, yeah my go-to is just a, a a baileys just on ice that's it i think that's my um the irish kind of i'm marrying an irish wife and having the irish tendencies it's it's yeah that, yeah i love it <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, so, uh, so I, I can kind of take or leave a Bailey's. I, I don't mind the odd one now and again, but I couldn't drink. You know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a go-to for me. Whereas my wife Anne, she absolutely loves it, especially in yeah. the winter months. Yeah, know, she, yeah, yeah. She was just yeah, happily. So, what, what's your what's your go-to? On a rainy day, um, uh, it would probably. Uh, it would probably be a beer. I think it would be a beer. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so one one of my favourite ones at the moment is um, partly because of the name. Uh, it's called Piston Broke. 
so but it's piston as in like a, a piston that you would get in a um uh, in a car or, or like on, in, a, in, a, in an engine rather than pissed and but i love the player yeah. words of piston brick. um <laughs> So that's uh, that's one of my favorite, and it's local. It's it's local as well. So uh, yeah, it also kind of supports the local economy stuff as well, which is a good thing for me. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, but no, I think I'd go beer. Maybe a gin, especially a slow gin. Um, oh yeah, my my nan used to make slow gin, the best slow gin, unbelievable. I've never made I've never made so I made my own gin. We I did like a well, my, uh, my Ange and I did like a citrusy one. Um, but uh, I've never. Yeah, that's it. And it was kind of. It was all right, but it wasn't. It wasn't as nice as I think it could have been. So yeah. <laughs> maybe slow gin is a bit simpler to make. Maybe I should try a slow gin next time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um. Uh, all right. So you mentioned in the introduction there then, that um that you own a you own and run an indoor football centre. So yeah. uh, and so let, let's, and that I guess is the is the backdrop to to what we want to talk about. So. Part of the reason I, I, I really wanted to record um, this podcast with you now is because when I when I look around um, on social media and I talk to people in my network, there are a lot of people that are struggling from a uh, from a work perspective. You know, whether that be they're going through redundancy, they could be on furlough, um, and, and what I'm seeing then is is people thinking, well, actually, is there something I can do? You know, whether, can I run my own business? Can I be a, an entrepreneur in that way? Um, and and that's something that you've been doing, and you've done it whilst you know everything has, has kind of been happening with um, with COVID at the same time. So, should we kind of go back in time a little bit then, if that's right? So, can we go back in time, say I don't know, January this year, when you know, we yeah. were we were hearing that, that COVID existed, but we weren't thinking it was necessarily going to be a thing just yet because it was kind of happening a, a long way away. And do you want to give us a, like a, a summary of your, I guess, yeah, kind of nine months, 11 months since then? Yeah, so the the whole arena um, has been a two-year two process um, from a thought in my head to initially finding a warehouse that we said no to originally, but then um, went away and kind of did a bit of thought around it and managed to make it work because in Lincoln there is no warehouses available. Mm. um especially accessible ones that like would be an entry point for us so yeah. we kind of um was so fixated well i was so focused and fixated for these two years of getting this thing off the ground um and we we were kind of um we put planning in in the um october prior to this i'd sold my house and everything else to do it so like we hadn't even had planning permission and i was all in um so we went went through that process mm. and we got planning just after christmas uh which is great um but we didn't actually get the keys until february the 19th so we had kind of six weeks from getting like planning and getting it all signed over and sealed and everything else and it, even when I took over in February, it was kind of, oh, we'd be okay. We were still, there were still large groups um, around. Mm -hmm. And we thought, oh, as long as it stays groups of 10, we'll be fine. Um, and even prior to that, sort of the December to February, I, probably my naivety, um, I didn't really think it was going to affect us. UK being an island, um, thought, oh, we'll be all right. We're an island. Um, surely they'll just shut shut the borders, not let anyone in, and we'll we'll just carry on about our daily business. 
Um, and even if it does, it's going to be limited. Lincoln's quite raw, we'll be fine. We'll just crack on. Um, yeah. And I don't know whether I was too far down the line in terms of I can't stop this now. Like I'm committed. I've just got to go with it. Or, But I, I don't even think that came into my mind. It was more, I've wanted to do this. I'm going to make it work. And this is how I'm going to force it through and um, mm. so even when i got the keys it was health leather um and we literally um there's a lot of alterations to the building so i had pre-planned and teed everyone up we literally got the keys uh 11 30 and had people in at 12 o'clock doing the still work um wow. and ripping ripping their way through it so um it was literally a lot of this has been luck and a bit of planning and judgment from my part but like, i've kind of forced issue with um contractors and stuff uh, managed to get the steel in and then we literally lockdown came they announced it and we my pitch the people that are laying the pitches they managed to get finished on the friday and then obviously went straight into lockdown um, and these guys are traveling from leicester um, so we literally in from um february the 19th to march the 11th when it officially got locked down we got all the steel in we got all the pitches in um, and we had a, a base base to work from so in in that sense it was kind of two uh, kind of a month worth of getting as much done as we can and then lockdown came and i didn't really know how it would unravel um how long it'd take Mm. but for for me it was just a case of well i know what i'm doing i'll just get it done um because we were we would hoping to uh, open in april so um and we ended up opening august the first <laughs> so in in sense of that it was kind of um yeah it's a scary time really because we we quickly figured out the government grants and everything else were coming out we weren't eligible because we weren't open mm-hmm. even though yeah. kicks my my coaching company was trading um and we are moving into this they the the, the council just said no you weren't trading um, open the doors to the public from 11th of March. Um, you're not eligible. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh, okay. Well, I've still got thousands and thousands of pounds I need to spend, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to open. How how do I deal with that? Um, so yeah, it was it was a strange time, but yeah, I probably my naivety was probably my biggest strength at that point. I probably didn't realise it. That's an interesting frame. My naivety was my biggest strength at that time. Tell me more yeah. about that. Sorry, if, if I can. I know I'm into yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. So yeah, man, naivety. I think knowing what I know now and the 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 kind of not the stress, but just the the ups and downs um, of so we like noise assessments we had to have done. We had disputes with neighbours and um different problems that came i'm I'm a good problem solver but Mm -hmm. if i'd have known now what i knew back then would i have taken on that challenge i don't know like there was there was there was one person in my life that says go for it it'll be really really good and that was my wife stacy everyone else was like okay I think you're mad. Um, but if you think it'll work, go with it. And even like, yeah, people, people have, um, given me not the grief, but asked me quite a few times, like, what are you doing? <laughs> are you like, you're mad. Um, it's a, it's a massive challenge. It's a big risk. Um, and like I said earlier, I sold my house to do it. Um, and not many people would do that, but I just had that gut feeling 
um, that I knew it would work. So the naivety of me saying, well, it would just work um, was probably that thing that I clung on to that, no, everything's me all right. Like at each, each point we've had an issue. I mean, we then were due to open on August the 1st and my building didn't get signed off. So the 1st of August was a Saturday and the building didn't get signed off until 4.30 on the Friday before. Um, so yeah, so like you can imagine the stress and anxiety around that. And I had obviously 150 kids, parents, everything else coming in through those doors at nine o'clock the next morning. Um, but even, even through all of that, I was like, no, it'd be fine. We'll be able to do it. Um, and it's just finding that calm within it. And I think that the naivety of, um, brings, a lot of learning um, and education through it. And I've like me, myself was, I've learned so much, not about business and everything else that comes with a territory, but learn about myself and who I am as a person. Um, and would, would anyone else have been able to cope with it? Very, very few. Um, and did, does anyone else really understand? Not even my wife really understands the journey that I've had to kind of, do because i've guarded guarded her quite a lot from it all um, mm-hmm. and burdened that on my own shoulders and i know we've had discussions many a time um but even for that understanding um and then like i say i, I can't really explain the naivety other than that helped me just put one foot in front of the other and just just keep going because just that i had that feeling it would work okay So, the, so there's a, a few bits that have come out in there that I, that I want to explore. Um, yeah. And, and, and we'll come on to those in a bit. So um, one of those was, uh, I was, again, interested by your, the way you, you kind of positioned it as you guarded Stacey from it. Um, also, you talked about, you know, the, the kind of journey you've been on for, for who I am and, and just keeping one foot going in front of another. Um, but if I put myself in, in the listener's shoes, I wonder if there might be some useful kind of contextual stuff just to, to kind of... I guess try try and uh, I guess paint the picture of, of where we are then. So so you and I met through Kicks, which is a, a a football coaching company that you that you run. Yeah. Um. Uh. Through and, and my son Joseph then uh, attended. Um. You know attended that. And um. But your background before even before that then it was in football. So football's been been a big part of your life. Um. All the way through. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've. I my background is uh, as a professional footballer. Um, I was at Lincoln City from the age of um, eleven all the way through their academy. Signed um, professionally with them. Um, had varying managers, good and bad. Ended up leaving. Leaving. Um, I went off to put on loan at Darlington Barrow. Mm-hmm. Um, came out of the full time game. Went part time at Gainsborough. Um, Went to Wembley, won at Wembley in the FA Trophy with North Ferriby. Um, and at that point, I probably should have retired then, but I carried on um, and went to Halifax for a season. So, okay. yeah, that, I'm, I'm not dizzy heights of football, but enough to um, get get paid to play football at a, a decent standard. Um, and it almost become, it became like a, a full-time job. And so when when you wanted to make that, um, that transition out of football then and in you know because the, the, uh, as you say it was not only the, the dizzy heights but you're still being you know being being paid to play 
when you then leave that environment and, and you have to then come into you know into I don't know, I don't know how I want I wanted to say the real world but I'm not sure that's a that's a no that's description no that you, you you're talking about no what you're saying there is is 100 correct the real world football isn't the real world it's a bubble it's it's a strange like it's it's like no other and it's really hard to um even in part-time football it's really hard to explain um just the environment it's such a brutal environment it, it isn't the real world you 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 couldn't go into a football club you would be treated totally differently um to how you would in a normal business and it's just expected it's you just take it on a chin um mm. you could perform at your best standard um but because someone doesn't your face doesn't fit with that manager you could be out of a job the next day without any warning without any kind of cut-off period and then you've got nothing you don't know when you're going to pay your next mortgage or anything like that um mm. and i i had no control over my own destiny with football um it was always other people's opinions of me and that's never really sat right with me and i really struggled like i i used to i'll say this to people i used to hate football i still do like i'm, I'm my business has evolved around football and there's elements mm. i love of football but i hated it i hated the games i didn't mind training because there was no it's just freedom just to have a bit of fun and run around and a kick about and stuff but the matches i used to the worst the worst time was probably at halifax and i used to coach in the morning nine till whatever time i had to leave drive in my van wherever i needed to be in the country to play a football match you get out you'd be tired you'd driven a couple of hours and you had to just go out and perform and mm -hmm. like it, even at, that's even at part-time level and then even if you make the slightest mistake you've got couple of thousand it's probably about six thousand at halifax at the time shouting a load of abuse at you and it, like they pay and it's their right to do that but mm. it just didn't sit right with me and I, I i fell out i remember playing at wembley like and i i couldn't wait to get off the pitch like <laughs> that's from someone to, for someone to say that everyone would be like oh that, that's selfish like it's a boyhood dream it was, it was my boyhood dream i always mm. said if i play at wembley i retire happy but from my point of view, I just couldn't wait to get off that pitch. And the fear around not winning, not or making a mistake, it just it I didn't know how to deal with my emotions at that time. Mm -hmm. And it, it it was a really difficult place. And I, when I made the decision, um, when I left North Ferriby, um, I was gonna retire. I had a few tears and a manager and everything else who was really good to me at that time. Mm -hmm. I said, I just need to retire, I've had enough, and I think I was twenty seven at the time. Said, I can't do it anymore. I just I've had enough. Um, and again, the only person that supported me was my wife. And he said, "You, you do what you want to do." Um, I, I had a bit of a hard time for my dad, who's again a former professional footballer. Um, mm. He's like, "You'll miss it. You'll miss it." And so many other people have said, "You can't retire. You're too uh, you're too young. You'll miss it." Um, so I, I got offered a decent contract to go to Halifax on decent money. I was like, "Oh, right. I, I'm, I'm going to go for the money for the year." Mm. and that that will kind of be the final nail in the coffin if i and i'll know then so i went and it was the worst season i've ever had i was like in such a bad place but from that point of view that was like confirmation that i was doing the right thing and hand on heart since the day i walked away from football i have not missed it one bit i don't i don't even yeah i love playing little five or side matches in here and have a little bit of fun but yeah. I, I just, I just don't like football. <laughs> <laughs>
but yeah, it's 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 difficult to say. And like you'll see football fans that um, they it, for them it's like the ultimate. And you say, oh, footballers got the best job in the world. They have because of the wages and everything else they get paid. But the, the the stress and everything else that comes with it and the difficulty of it is like none other. And I find it very very difficult to explain to other people. Um, just just like the the brutality of it is it's yeah it's it's world it's a world like no other and and at the risk of making um yeah i'm going to risk making a link where one doesn't exist now and you by all means you can say no phil you you, you're chatting out your backside yeah so when when you were playing then and, and you had that um and I suppose I'm not necessarily thinking about the the, the performance aspect, but the lack of control. So the, yeah. the the not being able to to know, you know, whether you know whether you you know if you didn't perform well on this day, you might not have a contract as of Monday because you can just be fired yeah. and, and and gone. Was there any did any of that kind of come back during this whole period of time this year? Because you had no control over when you might open or. You know what was whether you could stay open, who you could allow in, when you could allow people in, what you could do, what you know, what you couldn't do, because all of that was just being dictated to you from a, you know, kind of based on on government policy. So did any of that stuff kind of re-emerge for you or recur for you when all of this, you know, everything that's been happening this year, because was going on? So yeah, so I've I, I touched upon it earlier. Like my I'm I've I've grown and development for myself has has been huge, and. I'm still in control of this ship as such. So I, I class the arena as a, a bit of a big ship. Mm-hmm. I'm still I'm I'm still manoeuvring that where I want it to go, even with all the external factors that are imposed on the arena. Ultimately, the the decisions, the business, how we move forward still fall on my shoulders. So external factors I've, I've learned to hold my emotions out in front of me rather than being caught up within the the business like i can i can see my emotions in front of me and deal with them at that point mm. um and although external factors are controlling us to a certain degree from my point of view the the um the actual the ultimate thing is that i'm in i'm in control and um i can then guide um where I want my business to go, and I ultimately that, like I said earlier, that that decision falls with me, um, and there's no reason that those external factors can impact that. Yes, people can't come through the door, but for me, like I'm, I'm in control of bank accounts, I'm in control of uh, the marketing, the business, and we can still maneuver through these kind of choppy seas as such and make a make a good progress forward. Um, so yeah, that. It, it's there, but it's not as prominent as, like we say, with the football and stuff like that. Okay, and and you you mentioned that it's on your shoulders, um, and and is that is that a, a trait you have then, or is that something you commonly do? Do you take do you tend to take a lot on on your shoulders? Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Without without sounding, um, yeah, like I, I've always done it with football um with life in general i've always i've always taken that burden because i've always felt i'm strong-minded and i've got broad enough shoulders to to take it and i like to be um challenged i I like to be 
the one way I say, right, there's a problem. How do we deal with it? How do we move forward? And I've always been like that. When I backed against the wall at football, it was always me that was shouting the loudest and just trying to drag everyone through. And I still feel like that now. Um, and yeah, although I take on probably too much, I, I enjoy um, being able to be the one that made the challenge, like make makes the challenge what it is. Um, and I enjoy supporting others through challenging times and me guiding them in the right way. Um, so for instance, right now, um, mm -hmm. the first thing my staff said to me was as soon as we came to lockdown, are we still going to get paid? So I'll, I'll pay you and I'll help you do whatever we can to get through. Um, and it's almost, it's not a father figure as such, but it's almost like, a, I, I love that leadership role. I love helping people flourish. Um, in my old job and I blame you for this but um, <laughs> I've got coaches that used to work for me that have gone off to Mexico gone off to Florida gone off to Australia um, Gibraltar like we're probably we're <laughs> without without really wanting to be I've become a, a coaching company that um, is an international coaching company because of what how I how I feel yeah. I, I led those guys and how I um, help them progress within themselves and challenge them to be better. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's a it, they do cross over a little bit, um, but it's ultimately the, the decisions fall with me, and I'm comfortable, very comfortable with um, uncertainty if I can control the decision making. If that makes sense, it does. Yeah, yeah. and so that was going to be one of my questions that um, that I was going to ask around. Kind of, so what strategies do you use to help you then? So when, you know, when, when you've had, so that, mm, yeah, actually, no, I don't want to ask that question yet. Sorry. I, I will come back to that question and ask in a minute. So okay. uh, <laughs> one of the things that you said most, I've got, I've got a growing list of things I want to come back to. That's the trouble. Uh, <laughs> one, of the things that, <laughs> one of the ways you described it just now was you said, um, I can see my emotions in front of me. And that was yeah. a really interesting way of describing it. So, yeah, I'd I'd love to hear more, a bit more about that. You know, what kind of, yeah, how have you? Uh, well, so I suppose there's two aspects to it. One, how have you got to the point where you can do that? And then, what do you do when you see those emotions in front of you? Then, so maybe let's start with yeah. the first one. So, how have so, you got yeah. to that point where? Yeah, go on. And so, I it's 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 been a journey. Like I probably learned this within the last year, um, mm. and obviously a lot of things have been chucked at me along this journey, um, and I really struggled with it. Um, when the, the government announced the rule of six, so we were we we're doing really well. We just had um, three days of uh, no restrictions. We're allowed five aside in the arena, and then mm. we just got the okay to do indoor football. And then they announced three days later the the rule of six. And I really struggled at that point because I had such a high of getting indoor they open just for it to be cut straight away. Um, and that was the one point I've really kind of had to really have that awareness around me of, right. My emotions are, are temporary at that point. Mm. And I, like, I love the business. I absolutely love being here. Um, I love everything about the business and being within the business. But what I found myself in the early stages was I was really emotionally attached to the business and I'd take things personally or, um i the, a business ebbs and flows and has waves um that mm. i was riding that wave with it um so i was kind of up and down up and down up and down 
Whereas as soon as I was like, hang on a minute, like I need to emotionally detach myself from, from the business and kind of have a, an overarching view above it. Um, mm. I, I quickly realized that my emotions couldn't be affected by the business. And I had to make sure I had that calm um, and composure there's a there's a word for it called equanimity um mm-hmm. and i had to have that calmness and composure when all the noise and everything else is going on around me that i can still make those clear-cut decisions and have that clarity of mind throughout um and just by having that awareness of me how i'm feeling uh, me and my wife have, have kind of got a bit of a thing now where we just say how are you and we just know what that means it's not just how are you as your day it's no mm. how are you how's your day going um mm. or how are you feeling um and that just helps you just reflect and understand yourself and your emotions and just by detaching them and say okay that's what's happening that's how i'm kind of feeling now but how can i work through that and seeing it kind of holding it almost visioning it that i'm holding my emotions out in my hands in front of me mm-hmm. um how do they look how can i cope with them and how can i move them forward um because ultimately like you, you your emotions are never constant and you've taught me this over mm-hmm. the last few years that mm-hmm. they're constantly changing but and they never stay around so you might feel great one minute but you'll feel rubbish because of an external something happening uh, an hour later and it's how do you kind of try to keep yourself on that even keel um at all times and that's the best way i've i've found trying to detach myself as much as possible now that comes at a risk of being a little bit cold-hearted especially with um the transition of family and business mm-hmm. um, and that's something i'm still learning but ultimately it, it kind of works at home as well but that you just have to be a bit softer approach of it okay so the, the that kind of um, merging of, um, of of me and my business um, is something that it's, I guess similarly as a as a as a business owner is something that I, I've also struggled with over the years. Um, you know, and and if um, if the business isn't performing, then then I have failed. You know, there's yeah. there, there's no kind of almost no recognition of what else might be happening around it in terms of whether you know. You know, whether it be about where the economy's at or uh, or any of those things you know if the business fails i failed and, and that kind of bringing the two things together um there's something you know that i've also worked with a lot a lot over the years and, and there's still one thing that, that gets me um which is the 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 phrase of a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush and it's it's something that i've i really really struggle to let go of which is the idea that um uh, you know, there, there's kind of there's 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 ease easy to get low level revenue in in the hand. So there's kind of you know like half of what you could get of what could be in the bush. Yeah. You know, there's 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 double it in the bush, and if if you got that, then that's 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 better. And yeah. For for a long time, I've always gone for the bird in the hand. I'm like, well, that's there. It's that it's like it's not guaranteed necessarily, but it's it's you know it's it's in my hand and I've got it. Whereas yeah. if I go chasing after that stuff over there, then um it, it it's harder to get. And, and even now, what am I nine years into nine a bit years into running a business? It's still something that I have to kind of consciously grab myself with to go hang on are you saying yes to that because that's the right thing to do and that's the right thing for the business and that's the right thing for where you want to take the business or are you saying yes to that because it's a bird in the hand 
um and and i still you know when i reflect on stuff after normally it's about three kind of uh, uh, say three weeks i don't know if that's an actual term anyway you know at some point after i've said yes i'll then sit there and i put my head in my hands and go why on earth did i say yes to this and I yeah. know why, because it was the bird in the hand versus the two in the bush. But I, you know, yeah. So I, I get that kind of, um, because what's behind that is that the bird in the hand pays the bills. It pays the mortgage. It, you know, it pays for the you know, Christmas presents. It pays for whatever it is that we want to do. Not the holidays, because we can't go on holiday at the minute. But you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's the, um, yeah. It's it's kind of it's it's one of those where um, it's the risk element and society as a whole we are through the education system and everything else it's a whole another kettle of fish we are we are trained we are ingrained to be average um and get what's easy and it especially with social media these time in these day and ages it's kind of that instant gratification of um where we're at in the world and sometimes taking that risk and putting yourself through that turmoil mm. they always say that the um, good things come when <laughs> when they're hard like it's always better when you, you challenge and you have to work hard for it. you're more grateful for it um richard branson had a brilliant quote and i i've listened to read a few of his books and stuff like that but he he just said if, if you don't know how to do it say yes and learn how to do it later uh, which is kind of like me at the minute. If, so, if you said to me at the start of this journey, do you know how to run a coaching company? No, but I'm going to learn. I like the idea of it. Do yeah. you know how to open up an arena? No, but I'm going to learn how to do it. Um, and it's just it's just always challenging yourself to, to, to a life of learning as such as opposed to just bundling along um, and just yeah being average and okay that i mean for some that's that's happy people are happy there and they're content but for me my personality is i like to be challenged i like to i want more all the time um just to yeah just to help me grow and learn mm. so the the other overlap you talked about then was the kind of overlap of family and, and business so how, how has how has that been? Because you you mentioned well, so, so so there's a few things you mentioned then. So you talked about how you guarded Stacey, um, yeah. Um, but you also talked about how you know the that overlap of family and business can be tricky. So how 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 oh, I don't know I don't know what question I want to ask I suppose. Yeah. How how was how have the last six months or so then impacted your home life? Yeah. So massively. There's one. There's one key piece to this, yeah, um, and this comes from my footballing time again. Uh, when I was part time, I did. I was a dry liner as well, which is born and stuff, and had my own gang of lads. I was doing the coaching company and playing football, and I came. I had my little, my first little girl, Evelyn, who's three now. She was six weeks old at the time, and mm. I came home, picked her up, and she cried at me like she didn't know me, and because I was doing like ninety hour weeks, and I was like right enough's enough I'm not going to do this <laughs> so I quit football quit dry lining just focused on the coaching so that's what I enjoyed yeah. now for, fast forward to now um, I've got two little girls one that's one and one that's uh, three um, it's coming up to four but I've asked well I say I've asked me and Stacey have sold our, our house moved mm. in with in-laws with a newborn baby. You're brave. I'll tell you what, you're brave. Yeah. You know, so, I, 
my in-laws can occasionally listen to this podcast. I hope they don't hear this, but oh my goodness, you are brave. I wouldn't live in the house. <laughs> but but that was that was the sacrifice we had to make. And we didn't realise just how much we would have to sacrifice um until now. Um and obviously the pandemic has caused that a little bit more because I've been unable to employ another person that would relieve my time. So I, since we opened in August, well, since lockdown, um, I've been at the building every day, um, pretty much built this building by myself with what we put in it and stuff like that. Uh, then obviously we opened up, I had no staff. So I was working all the hours, um, just to open and everything else. We then mm -hmm. um, opened up fully in terms of the football pitch and stuff like that. I had one member of the staff so we were doing she was doing the days i was doing the nights we managed to employ one more guy um in cameron who's been an absolute breath of fresh air but even still like three people working when we're open nine till ten every day they can't do that many hours between them so i've been literally on site eight o'clock in the morning till half ten eleven o'clock at night and my family life has taken a massive impact um, mm. in terms of not seeing my girls. Like, and that's, that's one thing I'm very conscious about, um, how it's impacted the girls. They'll come to the arena, they'll run around, and um, especially when I'm quiet times, like Stacey will bring the girls to come and see me. And I love that they've been able to see and live through this journey with us in what we're creating. And I hope mm. that instills something in them about my work ethic and what's pretty much achievable i know they're still young but they're in and around this all the time um but yeah there's been a lot of tears on my part stacy totally understands and she'll wait up for me even though she's i couldn't do what she's doing like she's got it worse than me because she's got the two girls and evelyn goes to nursery two days a week so mm. she's a full-time mom and that is hard especially when i'm not around um she's got to do the cooking the tea bath and everything else and the girls are like they're lively they're not <laughs> they don't just sit there and do nothing they're lively yeah. girls bless them. um so yeah in like that's the one thing that i've always been guarded against and cautious about the how i impact them um long term great we're we hopefully this is building a life for them that um they wouldn't have had otherwise but right here and now like they, I probably struggle more of it more than they do because I'm conscious of it. I'm aware of it, and I'm I I kind of live and breathe, and I miss them. And I, um, it's got to the point just before lockdown where I could have a Monday morning off. So, um, Evelyn would be at gymnastics, so I'd have Eleanor and take her for a walk, just me and her. Mm. And I would seek not just sitting there with that time, but I'd walk with her and just go within nature and just let my mind rest and just be present with her um and then obviously i take evelyn swimming on a, a tuesday afternoon so i'd have that one-to-one -one time with her as well um and they were literally that was all the time i had a couple of hours on a monday morning and a couple of hours on a tuesday where i'd see them and i might be able to nip in and see them here and there but um yeah it, that that's the hardest bit that is the hardest bit juggling juggling life and business um uh, and ultimately maintaining a, a a relationship with my wife um because yeah. she she's almost becomes a single parent um and then 
a lot of things get missed and communication gets lost because I'm at work all the time. And by the time we get to talk, I'm like, I may be two or three days past a problem that's already happened. And she's wanting to be involved in the business, but the business moves that quickly that we're like passing ships in the night that that communication gets lost. And then I become a very lonely kind of business leader with a family mm-hmm. elsewhere. And she becomes a very lonely single parent. Um, like Stacey's support has been incredible for for me um, and how she does that, I don't know. But um, yeah, that, that's, that's been the, the biggest challenge, biggest challenge for sure. And, and, and again, I guess I risk a loaded question then. Is it, is it a challenge that you feel you've cracked? No, far from it. Far okay. from it. Um, I, I am constantly juggling um, my time and needing to get to the gym because that, uh, of how that makes me work and how it yeah, okay. helps me focus and stuff like that. Um, and my lifestyle, my diet, I'm constantly having to battle with that, making sure I'm actually eating because you just get lost in your working day. Um, and then trying to fit around the family, like no, it, it's it'll take. It, I haven't cracked it at all. <laughs> and half the time, I feel like I'm just winging it. And um, there's there's always people saying about the imposter syndrome. That that's a massive thing. Um, mm. And like the the business is still in its infancy, and it's my little baby. And I want I, I need to give it that nurture and grow it and everything else. But I've also got to give my my wife and kids nurture and help them but um i'm trying to find the balance and we're trying to alleviate that little bit of stress and um with that and trying to work around it and the communication with stacy is a lot better um and we make sure we, we're scheduling that time just to just to speak to each other um but yeah that it, it's a huge huge challenge and you'll know because you've traveled here there and everywhere we work yeah. it, it's, a, it's a juggling act and where do you where do you draw the line yeah, definitely. And, and I, I think I was tempted to ask you what, um, you know, what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs out there? Um, but um, I don't want to do that because um, sometimes I think, you know, we can talk about what we should do. Whereas I think it might be useful to talk about what we can do. So you said that, you know, you think, so I said, is it, do you think you cracked it? You said no. Um, at the same time, you know, you, you feel like you've made steps in the right direction. So what have been some of those steps that you have done then? So what have been some of those things that you have done? to make it better um just so scheduling in the rotor with the staff that we have got that mm-hmm. no i'm i'm off at this point do not ring me like um and i've tried to now we're getting the ebb and the flow of the business and we see where the quiet times are i can pick that time where right we're quiet now but i can i can remove myself from that point and that's that that's only gonna increase when, when we get more members of staff i'm gonna be less needed so um but what what we we probably not mentioned as well is that I've built this business from the ground up, so mm-hmm. I know everything about it. <laughs> and one yeah. thing I'm not good at is delegating off things. And I wouldn't say I'm not good at it. I just yeah, I'm I'm protective of the fragility of the business at the minute because of the pandemic. So um, yeah. and having my the whole business that I've built pretty much in my, it's not in my head because I've got files and everything else, but giving that time one-to-one with staff to help them learn the different steps and processes and the standards that we expect 
it's not an overnight thing that that will come um i've hired very well <laughs> with the first two members of staff and i hope yeah. i continue to do that but um it's 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 making sure that they're kind of following my lead as such at the minute in terms of standards that said like i hate being this if a staffer in after, before me um i i hate it if i'm like i go home before them um because it i don't know that's just that leadership kind of instilled within me um but yeah i've certainly not cracked it but i'm certainly on the way to having that awareness and i think that's a key word with all of this emotions and there's just nothing else you just have that awareness of myself um that yeah i i acknowledge it and i'm i'm making steps to to do it it's not gonna happen overnight but um the steps are there yeah definitely and and, and i guess it's it, it potentially anyway it links back to your your broad shoulders um you know thing that you know you know you taking it on yourself to 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 get the team through the you know the uh, and I, when I say the team then you know I could be talking about the football team or the the team with an active arena but you know you taking it you know you taking that responsibility to 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 provide that leadership and pull the team through um and at the same time the awareness that oh man I don't know how this is sustainable because I can't come in before everybody else and go home after yeah. everybody else and be a you know and feel like I'm being a good dad and feel like I'm being a you know a, a good husband and and all those other things that, that go with it and and i guess um because one of the one of the things that one of the mistakes i made i think early on was that um uh Ange and i didn't agree the priority order so we, yeah. we kind of had this implicit um agreement that the business came first you know and, and whatever whatever needed to happen to make the business work because i was the you know the principal um because so i set my business up in 2011 um yeah right in the middle of a recession and then my wife and i decided to we, we would then have a third child so you know joseph was born then in 2013 um and it wasn't it was probably in 2014 or maybe 15 that, so we're talking like four years in before we actually sat down and went right what is what is the order then you know so if i get offered to do a you know a five-day gig in manchester and then i get a day at home and then i've got a six-day gig in italy and then i've got a day at home and then i've got a four-day gig in london all of that combined is worth 10 grand does that 10 grand take precedent over seeing my family twice in 20 something days yeah and and it, it, it was only through those conversations that we agreed like what the <clears throat> um what the threshold was or we would say no and and that was really it was it was hard to get to and hard to navigate because something sometimes something would come in that would break the rules like you know it would mean it would mean being away for more than two weeks in a row or it would it would mean that not being home you know or whatever the rule you know i can't remember what they exactly yeah. were that we said at the time yeah but it, we would then go oh yeah but there's this money there's that money over yeah. there um and and so that but having that explicit conversation rather than it being just like a, a an implicit thing between us was i remember for us was quite important yeah i mean uh, money money money's not my driving force and i totally understand like the priorities and stuff and we've probably not figured it out yet because every day is different here at the minute there's no one mm. two days the same and like it, it's a tough one because i need that time for myself because when i when i'm in business 
I'm in business mode, I'm focused, I'm driven. I go home and I've got to switch to being dad again. And like, I don't get that downtime. And Stacey wants to talk. And then you start talking about the business again because like she's not caught up on the day and the priorities get a bit merged. So I love to play golf. And a couple of times it was through lockdown, I was playing like once, twice a week. Uh, which is fine. Like I was doing my work and then just popping out of an evening or whatever. Um, but now I've got to really choose my priorities in terms of, right, I've got Monday, I've got a sun, Sunday afternoon off and last booking is four o'clock, two o'clock or something like that. Um, I can leave one of the members of staff here. I can go play golf or I can go and spend my time with that fam- with my family. Mm-hmm. But where the, the release within it is there is no release for me but yeah it's really difficult to pick those moments and I'll have my mates ring me saying are we playing golf this weekend or it's it's a real battle constantly to to choose those priorities and Stacey understands I need that time but what I found myself doing I'll go and play golf but I'll be 100 200 yards in front of everyone not with my drive, but just like walking pace because yeah, yeah. like I'm still in business mode and I can't switch off. I'll be thinking about the business. My phone will go and like, so I'll be racing around the golf course and they're just, they've got a nine to five and they just join along and enjoy the time. Whereas I need that time. But then I'm kind of thinking, well, I need this time, but I need to be doing that as well. I need to spend time there. And you just, you just get lost in a, a transition and I'm trying to create a more of awareness around that and the, the priorities of, um, of family business and my kind of me time. Um, yeah. And that, that's not, I've mentioned that, but I've not even brought in family, friends, or anything like that in that time either. So, and you, you'll see a lot of business leaders say that they're lonely and they don't have many friends and stuff. And I can count on one hand how many friends I've got and I can count on one hand how many times I'll see them a year. But I'll, I'll ring them and stuff like that throughout the year um, or throughout the week and stuff. But yeah, it, it's it's a constant battle, <laughs> a constant battle. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can get that. Um, so the, the other area that I said I wanted to come back to then was when you said, you know, uh, I've, I've had a real, uh, that's, that's my words, no. So you said, I'm clearer about who I am. Um, so if I was to say, all right, then, well, who, who, is, who is Dan Home today then? Or who are you now, you know, on the 24th of November at 1227? Um, you know, if, yeah, if I was to describe you who you are then, who are you now? Um, I'm a, a person that's, driven um um understanding of um what drives me um mm. why why i'm doing it um there's a lot of things that i still want to work through and um in terms of understanding why i'm like this but um i at the age of 10 i think it was 10 or 11 I had meningitis, so I was literally an hour away from dying. And I think that's the trigger point for all of what I've done in life. Um, And I'm, I don't know, I love building things and creating things in terms of um, for other people to enjoy. Like just this weekend gone, I built a rocket out of cardboard for my daughter um, and we painted and everything else. I love creating things that make people happy um and i love just 
challenge. Um, it's a difficult one. I don't fully understand myself <laughs> because yeah. I'm still early in this journey. But the, the overriding thing is um, I'm driven, confident, I'm assured in who I am in, in, in sense of um, I don't seek external validation. I don't seek other people's opinions or approval. Um, I'm comfortable with who I am. Um, like I, I will cry in front of people emotionally. I'm quite attached mm. to where I'm at. Um, so yeah, I, I think just a content kind of, um, person that is just seeking learning all the time. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a tough, that's probably the toughest question I've, I've been asked to date. Who, who am I? Because mm. I've had to change so much um, from being a footballer that I've grown up and all I ever wanted to be to totally transition into something totally different um, mm. to being a coach that I said I'd never be. Um, yeah. Okay. Does that answer the question or is it a bit vague? <laughs> no, 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 answers the question. No, no, absolutely. Answers the question. Um, so I suppose I, I, so I'm, I'm thinking then, all right, so if, if I'm, uh, if I'm listening to this podcast then, and, uh, I've got to change, you know, there, there's something that's, that's maybe forcing me to change or meaning I need to change, or maybe I've got that gut feeling that, that I kind of, you know, that, that I think there's something I can do or something that, that I want to, you know, I want to pursue. Um, what lesson would you want to share with someone who's who's in that place? You know, so somebody who's thinking, right, yeah, I, I want to you know, start. I want to start a business. I want to follow a dream. I want to, you know, there's there's this thing that I've got in my gut. That I just think I can make work. What would be a lesson that you've learned that you would want to share with someone in that place? It, it ultimately comes down to why you're doing it. Um, if you want to set up a, a business for the money. Um, or the lifestyle that is portrayed with entrepreneurs, then it's not going to work. There has to be something deep within you that you almost have a, a feeling that you have to do it, um, regardless of external factors or anything like that. You you have that overriding feeling, I have to do this because this makes me happy and this is what I get satisfaction from and that fulfillment. Um, mm. Without that it becomes a very, um, you'll never truly be happy, I believe, um, with what you're doing. Um, and you'll be always searching for different things and, um, yeah, seeking that kind of, you see like expensive cars don't, don't um, drive me, but mm. I see if I had one, that novelty will wear off in a like a couple of months and I'll be seeking more all the time. And I'm like mm. that with business, but myself, I'm it's just being happy with within yourself and ultimately that will guide you in the right direction within business. Um yeah, just just ultimately having that inner inner belief in what you're doing and that inner purpose of why you're doing it as opposed to just doing it because that'll bring me a lot of money. 
And so would yours be what you were saying recently then about um, you know, building things that make people happy? Yeah, so, it, yeah, I, I built I built the arena because it served a purpose with kits, but it's also um, helped me with different programs, such as disability programs. And I, I did a coaching session with some of them the other day, um, mm. and I absolutely loved it, just their... Uh, just their enthusiasm um, and their passion. Like they've got, in the nicest possible way, they've got nothing. Um, they look after people, but their their enjoyment for life and the basic things of just me delivering a football session, that that really fulfilled me and I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and it's almost, I've always called it, we're called Active Arena, but I want to be a community hub that supports all. Um, whether that be um, 18 month old kids that come for their first ever kick session to a hundred year old bloke mm. that wants to come and play indoor football, um, walking football. I, w- I want to be able to be that pillar of the community where we are helping. We're just about to hopefully um, do a, a program for mental health. Um, I, I love helping people. I love supporting people. Um, and I want to impact as many people's lives as I can in a positive way. Um, I always thought it was, oh, I'm going to leave a legacy. And I've, I've been the first ever indoor football centre in Lincoln, and it's a bit of history, but that doesn't fulfil me. That doesn't drive me. It's it's seeing people's enjoyment out of what we have created um, and giving them that uh, sense of belonging to, a, to a, something that we've created. That's amazing. Love that. Uh, all right, I think then, I think I want to start putting us together and wrapping us up because that was just such a wonderful kind of uh, <laughs> summary and summation. I don't feel like I want to ask any more questions. About that. <laughs> so in, in terms of um, maybe stuff then in, in terms of um, helping, you know, helping the listener then. So are there any kind of books or videos or, uh, you know, or, or maybe the kind of talks or podcasts or anything, anything that you've kind of experienced or, um uh, yeah, that you think you know what well, if if you if this is something you were thinking of doing, here is some stuff that I think might be helpful for you. Anything you would recommend in that? Yeah, so there's four things. Okay. Um, there's two two books, okay. um, Shoe Dog by The Journey of Nike. Okay. Incre- incredible business book. Um, just this whole story of Nike and how they lived on the they call it a flow of cash flow month to month and it was, we're talking millions of pounds here and just how they came for adversity battling against Adidas and just the whole Michael Jordan um how that came about all of that just the story of Nike is an incredible journey so if you haven't read Shoe Dog um go and go and read it okay that's um, on my or, list or then. Listen, I've not read it yeah okay. or listen to it and then um Journey of a Lifetime by Robert Igan it's all to, he was he's the CEO of Disney Again, huge risk in terms of taking over Pixar, and I won't give too much away, but just him working, uh, basically dealing with uh, different businesses, and it's just an incredible, credible story of someone sat at the top of a a huge, like, worldwide corporation. Um, So those two books are huge, and ones I've read twice, three times now. Okay, um, wonderful. There's so much, yeah, so much learning from it. There's one podcast 
that's behind yours um, that I listen <laughs> to a lot. <laughs> um, so it's brilliant. And it's his name is Stephen Bartlett. And he's a di- his podcast is Diary of a CEO. And just he's a young bloke, younger than me, and he's built a marketing business. Um, and his outlook on life is just, he talks openly and honestly in his podcast, he interviews other people, and he's just honest in the in everything he does and I just find him incredible. Um so his podcast is just yeah brilliant. Um and then yeah so that those ones are good. Um what was the other one? So I said it's four things. There's two books. Yeah. Super, so the Night Brother Disney book, the Diary of a CEO podcast and I'm trying to think of the last one was now. I forgot about it. Uh, Not to worry. When it comes back to you, you can either. No, uh, oh, and, and then, um, sorry, Joe, Joe Wicks. Joe Wicks. Um, his, um, like, I'm not into all the other people, but Joe Wicks, what he's created just from through fitness and that, but just him as a person mm-hmm. um, and how he talks. Um, so yeah, him him just follow him on Instagram or whatever. Um and also, sorry, that one more, one more. I'm lied to yeah, you. Yeah, go on, that's fine. Go on. Ben Francis, the owner of Gymshark. So he's okay. again a young lad, um, built up gym clothing business and just his story of how he's built from making t shirts and stuff in his garage to a multi billion pound company is just incredible. And he's not even thirty yet. So yeah, the, the, those those five things are things I intend on listening to daily. Um, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. And I will put links to all of those in the show notes for this episode as well. Um, uh, is there any guests that you think we should seek out? Is there anyone that you would recommend that I need to get in touch with and say, Dan Holmes said you should come on my podcast? There's a guy, okay, who... Um, is brilliant about mindset and everything else. So I played with him at Lincoln. Bit of a weird guy, I thought at the time, but I didn't understand okay. him. I now understand him, um, and he is very, very good in what he does and very bright. Um, his name's Drew Broughton. You might remember him from Lincoln, but he's now a performance life coach um, person. But okay. all of it, you find him on LinkedIn. Um, but his outlook on the footballing world, the emotional world. Um, and he talks a lot about fear um, and how to deal with that and just um, coping mechanisms and everything else. He is like, yeah, he's, he's an incredible guy for him. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, uh, and if people wanted to get hold of you to, you know, to, to, to either book a session at Active Arena in Lincoln, um, or if they wanted to you know, kind of just to, to find out more, how, uh, how would you like people to kind of, you know, kind of seek you out? Is there somewhere you want them to go and visit or yeah, what would, how would you like people to get hold of you if that's what they wanted to do? Yeah, so it's nice and easy on um, best way probably is LinkedIn for um, talking to me that way. Um, just Daniel Hone on LinkedIn. Um, if you want, if you wanted to book a session, obviously our website is www.activearena.co.uk, or you can email uh, me or the the staff at info at activearena.co.uk. Um, they're probably the best three ways to get hold of me. 
Wonderful, thank you. And I'll put, I'll, I'll put the email addresses and links to your profile and to the website um, in the show notes as well. Uh, all right, then, Dan, so is there anything else then? Anything else that you're thinking, feeling, or want to say before I close this off? No, I think we, we've we covered a lot, but from, from a personal point of view, I just want to say a massive thank you for you. Um, if people haven't reached out to you and spoken to you yet, please do. Phil's been um, an incredible part of my journey um, and helped me a lot with understanding myself a little bit more and helping my staff um, on their journey. So, yeah, incredible person. And keep doing what you're doing, Phil, and thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Dan. That's very kind of you to say. All right. My pleasure. Okay, in that case, then I'll leave it there. So thank you so much for your time, Dan. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being a guest on the, on the podcast today. And yeah, I'll catch up with you soon. Perfect. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Emotion at Work podcast. And if you got this far, you must be interested in the role that emotions have in the workplace, either within individuals, between people in teams or in organisations as a whole. So head over to the Emotion at Work hub, which you can find at community.emotionatwork.co.uk. Thanks for listening.